the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money, the podcast, September 3, 2010. Hopefully you enjoyed yesterday's kind of a best of type of show where I did a Money 101 if you like those, let me know, and I'll do more of those in the future. If you hate them, let me know, and I'll do less of them in the future. Still working on a potential radio deal. It's close. We're pitching, and we're formalizing, and we're, we're dotting the I's and slashing the T's. It's not quite done yet, so I'm still going to meet with a couple other groups just to make sure that um, I get something that you know everyone's happy with and everyone's content with. Dow's up nicely today. It's up uh, over 100 points. NASDAQ's up 30. SP 500 up 13. Um... Big question right now, I think, today is jobs in the government and how they can cut employment or unemployment in half. That's the big issue. You know, if you cut unemployment, you fix housing. If you cut unemployment, you fix taxes. If you cut unemployment, you fix a lot of things in the United States. So it's worthy of note that we're watching this, and uh, I think we have to be very careful on it. I think it's a big issue in the United States. Companies in the United States added more jobs than forecast in August easing concern that the world's largest economy is sliding back into recession. That's the big story of the day. Private payrolls climbed 67,000. Uh, they hit a revised 107,000, according to the Labor Department, for the month of July. The unemployment rate rose 9 to 9.6% as more people looked for work. A separate report showed service industries expanded uh, more slowly than expected, but they did expand. Uh, ben Bernanke, his view is that conditions are in place for a pickup in growth in 2011. We got that a little bit earlier in the week. Companies like Caterpillar, they're boosting staff as global economies recovery. Uh, payrolls are expanding too slowly to bring down an unemployment rate hovering near a 26-year high. The worst fears were not realized, but it's still not good enough um, in most of our opinions. So market not too hot. Mark, not too cold. But the double dip talk was probably misplaced is what we're figuring out this week. From a historical perspective, things are still soft. So again, if you were to use the Goldilocks example, it's not too hot, not too cold. It ain't just right. It's on the just cold side. Uh, the economy ought to be doing better. So, and we know that. There's less reason to be concerned about the trajectory of the economy, economy in the very near term. But labor market trends remained weaker than the Fed is willing to tolerate in the long run. Continued stagnation will exhaust the Fed's patience at some point. Now, President Barack Obama says there's no quick fix for the economy, and he promised to lay out some new ideas next week to boost growth and hiring. The president is speaking from the White House. He urged Congress today to pass a package of measures help to help small businesses, including tax breaks, and to aid, uh, aid uh, in easing of credit. So let's put this week's rally in perspective. Equities have seen a strong rally off the S&P 500 support of 1040. It's generated an advance of more than 6%. The move follows some better-than-expected consumer confidence. The extremely bearish sentiment in oversold conditions, combined with attractive valuations and uh, the move off of support, set the stage for a short cover and rally. 
The 4.8% decline in the August made equities more attractive on a fundamental basis. The S&P 500 was at a forward P of about 11.9 times, which many viewed as attractive considering the S&P 500 traded 11.1 times in March 2009 at the bottom. After the week's move up, the S&P 500 is currently sitting at about 12.4 times earnings, and the VIX now near its lowest level since the flash crash, which indicates the markets are content at these levels. So, sharp move higher. The question is, now the S&P 500 is given back 50% of the gains from the morning, then it rolled higher as the day went on. A positive surprise was the big story in the August jobs report today. But looking ahead to next week, the economic data is light. You got the Fed's beige book. You've got consumer credit on Wednesday. You got jobs numbers on Thursdays, and you got wholesale inventories on Friday. So that's ultimately what we're going to be looking at. The jump in average hourly earnings today was a welcome sight. It bodes well for consumer spending. Um, there were upward revisions to payrolls for July, which was nice. That caught people's attentions. Workers are earning some form of income at least, which uh, is a positive as it relates to the spending impact on GDP. Yet this trend that plays into the concerns about underemployment, it's going to bring housing recovery very difficult, and we need that underemployed to get employed. The so-called real unemployment rate, which accounts for marginally attached workers and those employed part-time for economic reasons, it jumped from about 16.5% to 16.7%. So this isn't good data. It's okay. It's just not good. No, it's it's less than okay. It's it's less than okay. Now, the non-manufacturing index today slipped to its lowest level since January 2010. In contrast to the ISM manufacturing index, the non-manufacturing sector was strewn with signs of deceleration. With the exception of imports, every sub-index weakened during the month. Despite the deceleration in growth, business activities and new orders remained entrenched in an expansion cycle. So there's noteworthy deceleration, though, in the indice, and the business activities index slipped. While the new orders fell as well from a reading of 56.7 to 52.4, the employment index continues recent volatility. So the, the, the services data that we got today, the non-manufacturing, our economy is made up of, of manufacturing and services. And services are a much bigger part of our economy, about 70% to 30%. So the services are starting to get a little bit on the weak side as well. So let's move on with content for today. Bullishness on stocks have jumped from a 17-month low. Um, optimism about U.S. stocks increased by the most since July as economic reports kind of emboldened investors following three straight weekly losses in the S&P 500. The proportion of investors who anticipate a gain in the next six months jumped to 30.8 in, in the week September 1. That's the biggest rise in the period since July 15th. That compares with a 17-month low of about 20.7. The improvements in bullish sentiment comes on the heels of a strong stock market advance during the first two trading days in September. A fall in the percentage of bearish and neutral investors accounted for about 10 percentage points. Stocks rallied the most in almost two months. Better than expected growth in ultimately American and Chinese manufacturing. That's getting some confidence in the global economic growth. The S&P 500 plunged as much as 16% from a 19-month high on April 23rd. Widening budget deficits in Europe, U.S. unemployment rate of more than 9%. It's really raised that global economic recovery flag and puts it in jeopardy. Sentiment was a little bit too bad, though, is somewhat is what I'm trying to say here. The level of bearishness and fear in the market a week ago is so high that anything that makes it appear that the economy is not getting worse is wildly positive. Worthy of note. Now, today, Fed Governor um, Lockhart, he's saying there's been too much alarmist discussion of recent economic indicators, and the outlook is not as pessimistic as some have suggested. I tend to agree with that. It's not good, 
It's just not as pessimistic. He thinks the U.S. economy is experiencing a temporary downshift and the economy will look and feel better at the end of the year than it does today. In a speech at Tennessee State, he said the Fed's decision last month to buy treasuries to maintain a stable balance sheet has been overinterpreted. He said he did not herald the start of quantitative easing. He said the August non-farm payroll report did not change the picture in the labor markets of continued high unemployment. Consumers are holding back from spending because of labor market conditions at this point in time. So the jobs numbers came out today, right? And that helped tech stocks go higher. Cisco, Apple, Intel, and Google. Um, on top of it, there were some specialty names like video game publisher Take-Two. They're up 15% on a better-than-expected report. The financials today, the financial sector rallied. Basically, the um, it's up over 5% for the week. One area that appears to be causing concerns in the market is the issue of, of loan repurchase obligations arising out of former you know, mortgage businesses. And it seems the subject to some speculation that is not based on facts. So financial stocks are moving up off to the jobs report today. Retail stocks are moving up after the jobs number today. On top of it, there's a company called Ultra Salon. They're up 11%. Second quarter profit and third quarter outlook boosted and beat Wall Street expectations. Energy stocks are up today based on the jobless numbers that came out. We, as we create jobs or as people become less unemployed, energy stocks, retail stocks, financial stocks, and tech stocks tend to do well. Financials, clearly, because there's all loans to people with with um, with jobs. And businesses, when they're hiring, they need to put a new computer on the desk, and that helps companies like Cisco and Intel. Um, retail stocks, when people have jobs, they spend. Energy stocks, when people have jobs, they travel. They, they manufacture things, and that all uses the consumption of energy. Next week, the creation of 67,000 jobs. Today, in the in August employment numbers, was positive. But next week, President Barack Obama said job growth needs to be faster. So he's going to call on some sort of jobs uh, report, job creation out of Congress. He's urged Senate Republicans to stop delaying a small business bill. He said there's no quick fix for the economy, but said U.S. markets remain the most dynamic in the world. Now, on the other side of that similar coin, Christina Romer, uh, she said Friday's jobs data was, you know, was good. But she said she's a top aide to President Barack Obama. Uh, she chairs the Council of Economic Advisors. She talked to CNBC, and she said, we need to do anything we can to spur job creation. Um, the U.S. economy shed 54,000 jobs in August, far fewer than economists had expected. Private payroll sectors expanded by 67,000. So everyone's talking about stimulus now. So next week, White House is going to be looking for some stimulus measures that are effective. The president's asked his economic team to review measures that are targeted and responsible. He said they're looking for responsible policies that ensure the recovery and the job market continues and that we're looking for programs that deliver bang for the buck and are going to be effective. The budget deficit should not be an obstacle. The jobs deficit and budget deficit don't see why we can't make progress on both. So at first, the recovery was boosted by government and inventories, and now the handoff to the private sector is underway despite bumps along the way. So we'll see. There's a lot to know. You know, There's a lot to look at this jobs report. First and foremost, long-term unemployment remains a huge problem. Uh, the stated rate of unemployment in the United States is about 9.6%. But again, the marginally attached people who want to work more hours sits at 16.7% when you factor that in with unemployed. So there's a lot of discouraged workers who just give up on looking. A lot of the revisions do matter in the jobless numbers. And it's not really discussed in the payroll numbers. You know, The revisions for June and July show a better picture than originally thought. 
Non-farm payrolls were revised higher by a total of 123,000 jobs. The revision cut the decline. Private sector employment gains originally stated at 71,000 were up to 107,000. Manufacturing still showing a lot of strength. This isn't being talked about at this point in time. Um, General Motors is shifting summer factory retooling schedules. The Institute for Supply Management's report on manufacturing it showed employment growth. Recovery still wobbly. That's a bottom line here. The recovery is still wobbly. There's no doubt around it. To cut into the unemployment rate, it's going to require growth of at least 150,000 new jobs each month, not 67,000. So the stubbornness of the jobs picture, it's not a surprise. When national unemployment rate hits 10%, it's never a one-month wonder. It's part of a longer-term problem. Ronald Reagan came into office in 1981. National unemployment rate was 7.5%. Despite a huge tax bill, the rate rose steadily in 81 and 82. It topped 9% for the first time in March 1982 and in 10% in September. It didn't fall below 9% until October 1983. So it takes two to three years to play out, minimum. The economist in the 1980s was adjusting to then-former Federal Reserve Paul Volcker's crusade to, to wring inflation expectations out of the economy. The economy now is starting to adjust to a blowout in the real estate and financial sectors and a massive decline in manufacturing in the United States, especially in the automobile industry, through the first decade of the 21st century. It's going to take time to play this out. The employment numbers aren't going to get good before the elections. It ain't going to happen. So let's move forward and talk about some of the other big issues of the day. Uh, First and foremost, um, Apple made their big announcement two days ago. I think I've hit up that pretty well. But recently, they've started to double their iPad production in an effort to meet growing demand and perhaps to help fend off an impending Google Android tablet onslaught. Some analysts believe Apple has doubled its iPad builds to about 2 million tablets a month, a figure that could increase again for the holiday season and basically blow out numbers going forward. Apple recently indicated to their suppliers a desire to move to 3 million a month in the fourth quarter of 2010. This implies a run rate of about 36 million a year, uh, close to what you know the current 40 million supply chain forecast is for. It was launched in a blaze of publicity, and Apple's doing everything right. Demand is rising. Undoubtedly, they've carved out a significant lead in the tablet space, and that should help them again beat expectations for the foreseeable future. Now, um, other companies are getting busy. You know, uh, Toshiba, they unveiled a Folio 100 device at their IFA show in Berlin this week, powered by Android version 2.2. Comes with a 10.1 inch touchscreen. Unlike the iPad, it offers Adobe's Flash 10.1 player. It's going to be available later in Europe this um, year, and no word yet on a U.S. launch. Keep talking about Apple for just a second. Uh, Ping. Apple announced on Wednesday a big thing called Ping, which is a cornucopia of new hardware and software. It's basically uh, sleek iPods. Uh, it builds a brand new internet enabled video streaming device concept into everything that they've done. It's, 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 it's impressive. It's called Ping. It's the music only social network that Apple's opening up to 160 million existing iTunes users. No one is blown away by 160 million numbers, but the thinking behind Ping is neat or interesting. It functions like a cross between Facebook and Twitter for iTunes. It allows you to follow celebrities, create social clicks, get artist updates via an activity stream. It could have a tremendous impact on social sharing and commerce. From a content perspective, there are three different types of media that we talk about in society. There's movies, there's music, there's books. And these are all accepted social norms and relationships. You know, a lot of them are based on, you know, did you love a movie together? Um, Did you play a mixtape for her? So, you know, that's the basic idea. The popularity of YouTube, the fastest growing 
um, online sharing movie gaming worldly thing um, basically tells you that people gravitate towards music as a common collective experience. There's a lot that social media is going to fail on. There's a lot that does it right. You know, I play songs at the end of my podcast usually every day, but not, maybe not today just because I said that. And some people go on, out and download it or buy it or, or get the music for themselves. So I get it. I get what Ping is trying to do. They're trying to tie social and commerce. It's a click and go somewhere to download model. Um, Amazon for example, they encourage bloggers and others to link to things that they like. And, you know, you can get a piece of the action on that if anyone buys it. You know, this separates social from commerce and it treats them as, you know, two very discreet activities. Ping, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch on on some level. And it allows a similar level of social interaction. I can tell you who my friends think are cool in music and the top 10 favorites of people in my social graph. Some of my friends are famous, you know, individuals, and it's kind of neat that they've got eclectical music tastes. I always, you know, the best book I ever read was a book called The Depth Through Trilogy. It was three books by a guy named Robertson Davies. And I always ask people, what's your favorite book? Because it's a great way of getting connected to, you know, the best of the best. So it's a social capability that Apple picked up. Um, some people don't like it, and I think it's a big new feature. I think it's worth talking about, and I think it's going to re- drive you know music for Apple. Now, Facebook's going to be able to do it the same exact way, so it's a feature that, that doesn't have a lot of bang for the buck. It will go away very fast as far as being copied and implemented by others. Um, Cisco Systems got an upgrade today to outperform $32 price target for $20 stock. I think that looks attractive. They announced an alliance with iTron yesterday, ticker symbol ITRA, to deliver internet protocol-based communications to the smart grid market for electric distribution. Once again, Cisco expanding a little bit out of the way of just networking equipment and video equipment. Now they're starting to do smart meter deployments as well. Cisco's smart grid networking market strategy, it's uh, tied towards a leading vendor with iTron. It should help accelerate Cisco's penetration in the utility smart grid market. And again, just another way for them to continue to diversify their business model. I like the company. I do. And I think it's a trading vehicle. Big news. Howard Stern has told his listeners at Sirius XM Satellite that uh, he's pretty sure he's going to leave satellite radio when his contract expires at the end of the year. He also reportedly said he is not considering leaving the radio business entirely. He told listeners he would announce soon where he'll go next, hinting towards a possible mobile application and low monthly fee. On the other hand, the post um, that he posted today also says Stern mentioned the possibility of launching a third satellite radio channel and also discussed doing a similar show to the one he does now, but with a lot less hours. So he's keeping it on both sides of the fence. He reportedly said to Cirrus that they want him to be signed to a five-year agreement, but he wants a shorter deal. Um, so it, will he or won't he? Still no real answer, but it's getting out there for sure that time is coming up for whether he stays or whether he goes. Um, Google, they're in talks with music labels to launch a download store and digital song locker to allow consumers to play their song collections from any place with an internet connection. Uh, this piece, basically, you know, Google has been trying to be a leading company as far as with labels go about getting the service up and going before Christmas. It would be a direct challenge to Apple, which dominates the online music industry with iTunes. Google has nothing announced at this time. There are rumors that Apple's product launch event yesterday might include a cloud-based music service. But those did not happen. This would be more of a cloud-based service, and it would be pretty damn interesting to take a look at to see if they could pull it off. 
Um, one company that I've liked in the past and I told you about was a company called Ultra Salon. Last night, they reported better than expected earnings, highly robust, same store sales growth of 10.8%, healthy margin expansion, uh, ongoing improvement to fundamentals and strong execution within their guidance, implying that these trends are going to continue. I think valuation remains attractive. I think you could buy it on dips. I think it's an outperform. Uh, the company said they began the third quarter with a very strong momentum and forecast profit of 20 to 22 cents, which was beating expectations. Ticker symbol on Ultrasalon is ULTA, U-L-A-T-A. Dear God, consult a broker advisor before taking any action on any stocks mentioned. Verizon said today that they're going to increase their quarterly dividend uh, up by about 2.6%. So the payment goes to $1.95. CEO Ivan Schiedenberg said the increase is a clear indication of the strength of cash flow, balance sheet, and the company. The company has increased their dividend now for four years in a row. It yields about 6.5%. Other stories of note BP, they are asking the question out loud in a New York Times article published today, yesterday, that they need to keep production fields going to avoid any substantial impact on their cash flow so they can pay that $20 billion spill uh, fund that they've set up. Without it, they said they'll be harder for BP to fund damages programs. You might know there's a legislative proposal to bar any company from receiving permits to drill on the outer continental shelf if it has more than 10 fatalities, which have occurred at its offshore or onshore facilities. Next up in the world of business, Mercedes-Benz vehicles sales rose 22% to 81,000 units. You can buy shares of Daimler with the ticker symbol DAI. It's the 10th consecutive month of double-digit increase. They uh, aim to achieve double-digit growth at Mercedes-Benz for all of 2010. Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, talking about the wealthy and the rich. Um, basically, a court of appeal found eBay liable for selling counterfeit Louis Vuitton and Christian Dior program- products from 2001 to 2006. They ordered the online retailer to pay a fine of about $7.3 million. The ruling upholds a similar decision by the Paris Commercial Court in 2008. Quote, this decision also dismissed eBay's claim for exemption on the ground that it was acting as a mere provider of hosting services. So got to be responsible, it looks like, is the, the phrase that pays there. Um, let's see. I want to talk a little bit about the bond bubble real quick because a lot of people are starting to look at it. And we're in a bit of a silly season as far as news goes on Wall Street. It's a very slow period right before Labor Day. Everyone's on vacation. Kids are back to school. Washington shuts down. The thermometer's bursting. Um, and people are starting to talk about, you know, different angles on market commentary. There's an assertion, for instance, that folks such as grandparents are causing unemployment to rise. And this is a mystifying concept because what the hell does that mean? But grandparents are typically retirees, Right. And retirees tend to pour their savings into bond funds, which ultimately has an effect of killing jobs. It's an interesting concept. It's because the influx of money into bond funds is driving down yields, including those on corporate bonds. Companies, in turn, are lured into issuing billions of bonds at record low interest rates. Thus, they got carloads of cheap cash. Thus, they use that to fund a surge or takeover activity. Thus, mergers and acquisitions then lead to layoffs. And thus, grandma, by buying bonds is boosting unemployment with her purchases. Now, you can't make stuff up like this. In constructing this scenario, it doesn't occur um, to the individual that rather than low interest rates spurring corporate management to make reckless acquisitions, depressed bond yields and takeover activity both are symptoms of a deflationary environment in which the collapse of the credit bubble has happened. As has been widely, widely, wildly reported, companies are sitting on piles of cash, and that's because they've got more cash 
than profitable opportunities and investments, especially for internal growth. So one alternate is to grow by acquisition rather than trying to fund internal growth. Hewlett-Packard outbid Dell for three-part just months after the former scooped up, you know, moribund Palm. Now, HP, why the hell did they buy Palm? Had there been great growth prospects in their core business? Not really. That would have, you know, had HP, the big computer and printer maker, gone on an acquisition spree. But what they've ultimately done is they're, they're using their cash to fund market share. Grandma, the supposed enabler of the corporate craze, is at the leading edge of the demographic, demographic wave that needs income from their investments on which to live. Seniors need money. They need safety, but they also need high yield. So is she culpable of driving bonds low, yield so low that corporations borrow money and then go out and do mergers and acquisitions? Not really. The baby boomers, um, who are basically seniors, they need income-producing investments as their retirements draw ever closer. Um, and their years draw dwindling down. Now, despite the influx of cash into bond funds in the past year, they're basically underinvested plays. Bond funds have seen a $382 billion in inflows in the past 12 months in contrast to $18 billion outflow from equity funds. Stock funds still hold nearly twice as much as bond funds, $4.9 trillion to $2.5 trillion. What's painfully obvious to me is that corporations and savers alike uh, face diminished opportunities for returns, and the result is that credit bubble that burst, um, it's resulted in a little bit of debt deflation. So the quest for higher returns in the bond market isn't the cause of the trend. It is the effect of the trend. Anyway, four stocks that continue to do well. Um, Akamai, ticker symbol AKAM, Netflix, NFLX, Salesforce.com, CRM, and Chipotle, CMG. So you got to take a look at these companies because they continue to do well inside a relatively bad and down market. You've been listening to Rob Black and Your Money, the podcast. Have a good weekend, everyone. I will not be posting on Monday. Um, maybe I'll do a best of on Monday, one of those money one one things, uh, but it'll be late Monday if I do. So probably going to be Tuesday before you hear from me again. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Take care. And I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.